Father, we thank you for your word today. We just pray in advance, Romans 1 verse 11, we'll have a mighty, mighty, mighty impartation. We just thank you today that our hearts are open and our ears are open to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us today. We receive your word with gladness this morning. God, speak to our hearts, open our minds, change us, make us more like you. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you can have a super marriage. Come on, tell them, you can have a super marriage. Now, right off the bat, I know in the house today, we have folks that have been married for several decades, George and Rita. We have folks that have been married for a few months, TC and Sam, Joseph and Kaylee. We have folks that are on their second marriage. We have folks that are on their fifth marriage. Hey, look, don't say you're on your fifth marriage. Say you're on your last marriage. Come on, can I have an amen? You know, divorce is an event. It doesn't have to be a lifetime. Now, obviously, we're pro-marriage. Obviously, God is pro-marriage. But if you have been through a divorce or been through a failed marriage, you can't go back and undo that. You can't unring that bell. And so we don't ever want to approach this as a place of condemnation. It's so funny in the church. You can kill somebody, murder. You can go to prison, get saved in prison, come out with a testimony, and they'll make you a pastor of a church. But by golly, if you've ever been divorced, it's just almost over for you. So me and my wife, we don't talk about divorce. Now, murder, that comes up every so often. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. You'd be better off just to kill them instead of divorcing them in the church. And so we're not going to hang that over your head. You can't undo that. You can't redo something that's been done. So I'm not speaking to your past. I'm speaking to your future. Candy likes that. Candy thought that was good. I'm talking to your future. Now, if you're in this house today and you're single, all the single folks, can I see your hand? Come on. Come on. It's not a disease. Raise your hand. You might get a date. Come on. All right. All the single folks in the house, this will give you vision for your future. Those in the house that have had a rocky marriage or or have had a bad marriage, my, that's not a good time to raise your hand. <laughs> now he has a rocky marriage. All the folks that have a rocky marriage, this will give you hope. And, and, and all the folks that have been divorced, this will give you vision for a second chance. So wherever you are, if, even if you're older and maybe widowed and, and not going to ever be remarried, you know someone that needs these principles. You know someone in your family. You know someone in your neighborhood because we believe your story can have a happy ending. Look at your neighbor and say, your story can have a happy ending. Your story can have a happy Look at this PowerPoint for life. A great marriage is worth the investment. A great marriage is worth the investment. You have to continually invest in a marriage for it to be super. And we've used the analogy of the garden. You can't just go out and plant the things in the garden. You have to continually work in it. You have to weed it. You have to put up the scarecrows to, to scare the birds away. You have to continually maintain that garden. And we begin to give you nine simple steps to a super marriage. Nine simple steps to having a super marriage. Number one, we'll just review very quickly. Number one, this is so simple. Don't miss the profundity of the statement because of the simplicity. Don't miss how deep this is because it's so simple. The first simple step to having a super marriage is you got to build your marriage around Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12, we won't read it, but it says a threefold cord is not easily broken. A threefold cord is not easily destroyed. That threefold cord is me and my wife and then Jesus. When we're combined together, 
together. We're wrapped together. You can't separate us. And, and one is better than two. And three is better than two. And I said this last time, uh, and it kind of shocked everybody, Benjamin, but I, my wife, I have a confession to make. My wife loves another man more than she loves her husband. And her, and, and her name, his name is Jesus. I mean, that's, that's California theology there. <laughs> My wife loves another man more than me, and his name is Jesus. And here's the gossip, Emily, the latest gossip. I love another man more than I love my wife. And, of course, his name is Jesus. And so the way we do this, we gave you three building blocks for a Christ-centered home. you got to build your marriage around Jesus. Here's the three building blocks for a Christ-centered home. Number one, love Jesus more than your spouse. Number two, go to church together, and we gave you balance. If you come to me and say, my husband really wants to go to this other church, I feel called here, I'm going to tell you to go with your husband unless he's going to the first church of Satan. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, you go to church together. Now, if the turkey means on Christmas and Easter, that's not what we're talking about. But if your husband will go and get plugged in, and here I gave balance to this last week, but it is better to go to church together. Don't go to church separate, if at all, at all possible. And then number three, pray over and with your spouse. So that's how we can build a Christ-centered home. All right, number two, we began to, to touch on this just a minute, but not only do you build your marriage around Jesus, but number two, you got to stay committed in tough times. Look at your spouse if they're in here and say, I'm in it for thick and thin. I'm in it for good and bad. Amen. I'm in it. I'm in this. We live in a society that doesn't know how to commit. Isn't that a good place to say that's right? We live in a society that doesn't know how to commit. You can get out of almost any contract. You can change your mind and, and flip-flop. And we just, you can vote this way one year and next year vote this way as a politician. And it's okay because, hey, everybody changes their mind. They flip-flop. And so we want to stay committed through tough times. Do not be like this guy. Check out this video here. Do not be like this guy that won the lottery. Pack your bags, honey, because I did it. I just won the lottery! Oh my gosh! That's amazing! Yeah, that's right. Well, should I pack for the beach or the mountain? I don't care. Just get out. (laughs) I don't care. Just get out. I mean, we don't want to be like that guy. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 5. I want you to see this. We want to stay committed even in tough times. Now, we're just going to read uh, verse. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. And this is the part I want to focus on. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And so if you do not stay together, if you do not stay committed through tough times, when you are older, you will not be able to rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you. How many of you know that's a good thing that we ought to pray over our spouses? I pray that over my wife. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up my wife, Miss Tara, to be a, a fountain of blessing for me. And I will rejoice in the wife of my youth. And so we need to stay committed. Remember the vows that you made on your wedding day. You didn't just say some little thing. You didn't just say some light thing. You made a vow before God and you made a vow before the people. And we must remember the vows. You should write those vows down and put them where you can see them. And ladies, next time your husband's acting up, you say, you remember that vow you made to me. You tell that turkey, you remember that vow that you made to me. I wrote my vows for my wedding. And mine were okay. And Tara's were like amazing. 
And everybody's like, that's where you get the good sermons. Because <laughs> her vows were so much better than mine. We, I want to grow old with my wife. Don't you guys want to grow old with your husband or wife? Now listen, if you've been through a bad marriage, a rocky marriage, no stones at you, no condemnation, we're talking about your future. Check out this couple that grew old together. So this is what Scotland looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm sure glad Betty won this trip on that wheel of fortune and then broke her hip so we could come. God bless Pat Sajak. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason we're here in Scotland is to prove to all those naysayers back home that the Loch Ness Monster really does exist. Now, UFOs and Sasquatches, that's ridiculous. But old Nessie, she's for real, and she's out there. I just need to keep your big trap shut and your eyes peeled. Babe, right there in the water. The most hideous, the most monstrous thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's looking right back at us. That's my reflection. Come on, how many know we want to grow old together? But we don't want to do it in that fashion. Now look with me at Numbers chapter 30. I want you to see this. Numbers chapter 30 gives us some insight here into making a vow. It says, a man who makes a vow to the Lord. You know, when you married your wife, it's called holy matrimony. Because it is a holy thing between you and God and your spouse. And when I made that vow before my wife, I didn't just make it between a man and a woman. What we forget is when we're married, it's not just a man and a woman. It's a man and a woman in holy matrimony. What makes matrimony holy? God being in the center and at the forefront of our marriage. Numbers chapter 30 and verse 2 says, A man, or of course we know a woman, who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath. Remember you said, from this day forward till death do us part. That's why murder, come on, we know, no divorce, but murder. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Notice it says here, a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. For the first couple of years on our anniversary, we watched our anniversary wedding. We had our DVD video, and I was much uh, skinnier then, if you can even believe that. Man, I'm telling you, I turned sideways and I just disappeared. And I'm like, why in the world did my wife fall for me? How I many know love is blind? And this man right here is very thankful. I married up, praise God. But I made a vow and we would watch that and we would do it on our anniversary. And I know that's sappy and all that, but listen, we made a vow between God and I intend to keep that. I, I'm not now, now let me, let me bring some balance here. I know some of you. I know some of your situations. I'm not at all talking about you staying in an abusive situation. If you are being abused, uh, physically, uh, verbally, I'm, I'm not at all talking about you, you staying in an abusive situation. God would not want you to stay in an abusive situation. And if anybody tells you different, you tell them to call me and we will have a nice theological discussion about that. I'm not talking about you being in danger, you, your safety for you or your children. There's legitimate danger. You understand that. But I'm talking about we need to be uh, committed. We need to be committed to love for the long haul. Look at this PowerPoint for life. See, this is a misnomer about love. People think love is a feeling. And we say, oh, I love Emily's cookies. Oh, I love Miss Mary's banana pudding. Oh, I love this car. Listen, you aren't no more committed to that car. When it gets 150,000 miles, you're going to trade it in for a new model. You ain't committed to that. Oh, I love this dish. Or I love it. And we throw the word love around. 
Love is the, here is the Greek word uh, in this passage we're looking at is agape. Benjamin, do you have any idea what agape means? It means unconditional, the God kind of love. You see, when I chose to marry Miss Tara, I didn't just choose to love her because I felt like it. Listen, there's a difference between love and lust. All the students in the house pay attention. People often fall into lust and they're not really in love. But how me know when you get old or your hair turns loose or turns gray or if you put on a little weight or if you lose your teeth or whatever? How me know lust can go right out the window? And so we must not build our marriages around lust, just a physical attraction. We must build our marriages around love. Look at this PowerPoint for life. Love is not a feeling or an emotion. Now, I know the butterflies. I had them. I still have them sometimes. After I've eaten something for dinner that didn't settle right, I still get the butterflies, you know. I'm just teasing. But listen, after 10 years of marriage, it's not all jumping through white clouds with fat Cupid singing songs over us. You know what I'm saying? We have we have a great marriage. We have a super marriage, but we work on it. The little feeling of the honeymoon, TC, not to bust your bubble, can stay there, and, and you can nurture that. But, you know, it's not going to be like week one of your marriage for the rest of your life. And we go into this thing thinking, oh, man, this is great. The honeymoon is great. Hey, how many you know the honeymoon is great? All you Presbyterians in the house today. The honeymoon is great. But how many know after the honeymoon, after a year or, or two or, th- or ten or thirty, how many know the feelings aren't always there? You cannot build your marriage on how you feel. Can I tell you a secret? Listen, I, I just I've, I see this. Brent, I hear people say this. Well, I just don't feel like we love each other anymore. Well, you know what? Too bad. Too bad. I don't care if you don't feel like you don't love each other anymore. Love is not a feeling. You're stuck in loving it. That's what I tell my wife. You are stuck and loving it. Love, go back to my PowerPoint for life, please. Love is a choice. It's a daily decision. I'm, it's easy for me to make every day terrorists get up today. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love my husband. Love is not, but now I love the feelings. I love the special anniversaries and the Valentine's days and, you know, the four children that we have and are having. And, you know, those are all wonderful, nice, fluffy, white cloud, Cupid moments. Okay. But that might happen you know, 10 days out of the year, 15 days out of the year, every other day. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, love is a choice. Loving Jesus is a choice. Steve, you're, you, you hit it right on, Steve. It's not about how you feel. We don't always feel like being involved in church. I don't always feel like giving my tithe. I would sometimes rather buy airplanes or something that flies in the air. Come on, can we be honest? But I'll do it because I'm committed. Now, obviously, I always do that. Always give, but there, I don't always have a feeling attached to my actions. There are mornings that I don't feel like getting up here and preaching to you people. If you had to look at you for 45 minutes, you wouldn't always feel like it either. Come on. But I do it because I love you. I'm committed. And friends, when did we decide that marriage is this little fluffy thing that we can take or leave? Hollywood says, oh, we'll try it out. If it doesn't work, we'll just kick it to the side. And that's not what the Bible says. God is looking for people that are committed. Take divorce out of your vocabulary. You know what I'm trying to say. Say that word for me. Thank you. Don't even talk about divorce. Now, listen, if you do this, listen, 
if your favorite thing is, I'll leave you turkey if you don't take the garbage out. And if that's your favorite thing to say, okay, I'm not condemning you much for your past, just a little bit. But let's change from today. Divorce is not even an option. Do you know why? Because you take options when you have them. You don't take options when you don't even have them. Divorce, don't, do not, do not, do not. Please, for the love of all that is good and holy, do not threaten your spouse that you are going to leave them. That Now, if you've done it, I'm not talking about your past. We're talking about your future. You do something emotionally to that person. Miss Tara knows there is really nothing. I mean, if, you know, if she leaves, I'm going with her. <laughs> there is nothing she's going to do that, that would cause me to change my love for her, change my commitment for her. I mean, dear me, if some of you, if your wife or husband can love you when you first get out of bed, man, there's hope. You can make it. It takes commitment. And so do not threaten your spouse with, and I'm trying to help you here. If you don't do this, man, I'm going to leave. If you don't shape up, I'm going to leave. You do something emotionally to that person and what you're actually doing. Do you, do you love me? Does everybody love me? Anybody love me? I, I'm going to talk to you because you got two people here that love me. What you're doing when you do that is you're actually manipulating and controlling your spouse. And the Bible says that is actually known as witchcraft and it's actually an abomination before God for you to manipulate someone else based off their feelings. That's a hard pill to swallow right there. I just throw it out there. I've already made everybody mad. We might as well keep going. And so don't manipulate your spouse. I had a conversation with Ava. Is this okay? Are we helping anybody? If this ain't for you, just, just put it in your pocket for somebody you know. I had a conversation with Ava last night. Um, we just had a little bit of a just a spout, you know, is, you know, nothing big, but she displayed a little anger and, uh, in a way that I didn't think was appropriate. And I told her in a loving way, I said, look, you can't control me with your emotions because she's nine years old. And if she thinks she can control mom and dad with emotions now, it's going to be hell when we get 16, 17, 18 years old. Come on. And so I said, look, we love you, but listen, daddy doesn't, I don't change my mind just because of emotions. You just, you acting this way makes me want to do the thing we're talking about less. And I'm hard headed enough that I'll just do it less because she cannot, my kids cannot control me with their emotions. Now, there are certain times when those eyes start batting, you know, and it, it, you know, it, 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 and my heart melts and then I give in. I am a caver, but this was not that, this wasn't that sweet little eye batting attitude. This was an attitude that I didn't like and I didn't appreciate. And how many of you got to fix things young and early? And so I just loved her. I loved on her and I affirmed her. But I said, look, 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 you can't control me with your emotions. You cannot control your spouse with their emotions. We've got to build trust. We've got to build integrity. Lust always takes. You students in the house, you teenagers, lust always takes. But love always gives. Lust takes and love gives. Isn't that good news? All right, number three, let's move on. The third simple step, I think we beat that horse to death, so we'll move on. The third simple step is to selflessly serve your spouse. Selflessly serve your spouse. The ladies love it, Miss Kathy, when I preach this, because all the husbands for like two weeks are much better husbands. I have caught myself doing this more since I've been preparing this sermon. 
My wife loves it when I preach on marriage because I'm always a better husband. How many know you got to do what you got to preach? She'll remind me, now, didn't you say this? <laughs> and so we've got to selflessly serve our spouse. You, let me just say this. You take it for granted that you are to serve your spouse. Now, initially, it's like, I'll serve you. You're the queen of my house and of everything good. And, and But you know what? After six months, it's like, hey, go get me a sweet tea, you know. <laughs> I want four cubes of ice. She says, I ain't your mama. <laughs> I ain't your maid and I ain't your mama. Now, now that, now she helps me and we bless each other. But listen, it's got to be a two way street. Okay. It can't be just the lady. Ladies, you're going to like this. It can't be just the lady always serving the husband. Just yesterday, uh, we were eating dinner and I heard myself preaching this to you guys. And so she needed, needed something for Lily. And I said, Hey, no, 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 no. I'll get up and I'll get it. You sit down. I saw her messing with something in the kitchen. I said, Hey, why don't you go sit down and I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do that because I heard myself telling you guys to selflessly serve your mate. And so look at Galatians chapter six and verse five. How many of you do laundry? How many of you, it's your responsibility to do the laundry in the house. I got a scripture for you. The Bible says each one should carry his own load. So when Tara tells me to take the laundry upstairs, I say, each one should carry their own load. Hallelujah. I worked all week on that joke. I expected a little better response. But not only should we bear our own load and our own burden, but we should also, according to the Bible, bear one another's burdens. We should bear one another's load. Listen, all the guys in the house, I'm going to help you. Can I help you guys? When you finish dinner, if your wife is gracious enough to do the dishes... Me and my wife, we have this little deal. Whoever cooks, the other sort of cleans up. Of course, she does a lot more cleaning because I'm, I'm not allowed to load the dishwasher because I don't do it right, apparently. I don't do it right. But if I, like a lot of times I'll cook and she'll clean, or if she does a cooking, then I'll do the sleeping, you know, after, you know. No, I'll help clean and all that. Listen, guys, I'm going to help you. Put your stinking plate in the sink. Can I have an amen from all the ladies? Come on. This is good preaching. Just scrape the stuff in the trash can and walk your little plate to the sink and spray it off. There's an idea. Actually spray the plate off. Am I preaching good, Rick? Come on. All right. I don't know how I got on that. But listen, I'm teaching my kids to do that, especially Noah, because I want to train him the right way. And so we must bear one another's burdens. We must serve each other. Now, I don't know if you know Joe McGee. We're going to show you just a short little video. But Joe McGee has a tremendous marriage ministry, and he's going to express some thoughts here about serving your spouse in a way that only Joe McGee can do. So take just a moment and check out this video. You know, a good thing you learn in marriage is marriage is not something you win. It's not like going deer hunting. Marriage is about serving somebody. You know, one of the greatest stories in the New Testament about Jesus was he was headed up to Jerusalem. You know, it was three and a half years about over. He knows he's going to the cross, and he's talking with the disciples about what he's going to do. I'm going to go up here, and they're getting ready to arrest me, guys, and they're going to beat the dog out of me and nail me to the cross, and I'm going to go to hell for three days, and then I'll be back. And uh, He's trying to explain that, and all of a sudden, they still don't understand the Bible says. So James and John are there, and they brought their mother with them this day, and so... Two grown men have their mom, and so she must be a great woman. And so all of a sudden, as soon as Jesus finished talking about going to the cross, their mother interrupted us. Jesus, do you mind if I ask you a question? And he said, what? I said, sure, what is it? He said, well, whenever you get through all this stuff you're talking about and you finally come into your kingdom, 
Can you let my son sit on either side of in your new kingdom, one on your left and one on your right? She said, well, I don't have any say-so about that. My father will determine who sits where. Now, the Bible said that the other ten got really upset about that. Like, my goodness, you got your mother here asking for stuff? Said, well, our mother loves us enough to ask, where's your mother at? You know, that's sort of a paraphrase. But Jesus wasn't upset at the question. He answered it. He said, well, let me explain something. If you want to be great in my kingdom, I need you to become the servant of all. See, marriage is sort of different. I tell people, Hallmark's got the cards all wrong. Uh, it shouldn't say congratulations, you got married. It ought to say, well, I'm so sorry I heard you got married. Because you see, a marriage is a covenant. And you cannot have a covenant unless somebody dies. Covenants are only completed by the death of someone. And so when you get married, what you're saying is you swear before God and witnesses, standing before that minister and family members, I am promising before God Almighty and my family, I will spend the rest of my life living for this person right here. I'm going to spend the rest of my life serving them. I always say, when I get to heaven, I want to hear two things. I want to hear God. For example, if we go, I want to hear my wife when she stands before God. After God says, you know, welcome in, hon. And, uh, and my wife will say, Father, I want to thank you for your son, Jesus. That's the only reason I'm here. It's the only reason I made it. But number two, I want to thank you for my husband. I want to be the second greatest thing that ever happened to her. I want to make her life better, not worse. I want to spend my life serving my wife. That means I've got to find out something about it. You need to ask questions. What do you like? What do you not like? And that's why you got to talk and fellowship and spend time with one another. It took years, but I realized something after a while, my wife and I fighting over the dumbest stuff. No, I'm going to serve you. Whatever you need, I'm going to know it before you need it. I want to know what kind of makeup you wear, what kind of laundry detergent you use, what size clothes you wear. I want to know you inside and out. I am going to spend the rest of my life making your life better. I'm going to serve you. Now, I'm telling you something, guys. When I started doing that, it didn't change overnight. But within a year, we were what we call sucking the lips off each other's face. It's not how handsome you are. It's how loving you are. And I love my wife, and I want to just not say it. I want to do it. So learn something about your spouse, whether you're married, whether he's husband or wife. Find out something about them. Start serving him, not demanding things, not dominating. Serve. It's going to turn out real good, I promise you. Come on, how many of you glad I let Joe share that and not just me? We want to learn about, I, I will notice uh, in the morning sometime if when I'm leaving and I'll notice if maybe we're low on milk and I'll come home and bring milk. Maybe she won't have to ask. And there's little things you can do. Just every single day. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. I'm going to shock you. It should be a two-way street. But I'm going to tell you how I view it. I'm going to tell you my personal opinion here. And hopefully my wife would agree that I work hard at backing this up. Now, I've not arrived. Miss Tara, when you listen to this CD, I understand I've got a lot of work to do. I understand I'm not, I've not arrived, but at least I have left. At least I've left the train station. Let me just tell you my personal view. Guys, it ought to be weighted heavily toward you serving your wife. Yes, we, our wives can serve us and help us and be a blessing. But if I had to pick who's serving more, uh, you call it Southern hospitality, whatever. I'm going to call it the Bible. Guys, you need to be heavily weighted a little bit more where you are always, always serving your wife. See, I want to serve my wife so well that she knows no other man would do that, and so that's my that's my security for the rest of my life. She knows I want to take care of her and serve her and love her, and I do not do this perfectly, uh, but I am working on it, and that's what we want to do. We want to selflessly serve our spouse. Let me show you a scripture that I, I thought of as the, the Lord was helping me with this. In Romans 13, Romans 13 talks about, uh, of course, uh, Wednesday night, Jay did a great job teaching about the law of love. And so check this out here. It says, Owe nothing to anyone 
except for your obligation to love one another. So many folks go into a marriage with this entitlement mentality. America has an entitlement mentality. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to this. Instead of approaching marriage like you are entitled to this and you deserve this, how about we approach marriage that we have a, in, we we're indebted to our spouse. I have an indebtedness to my to my wife and I have an indebtedness to my family and I'm in debt to my family to show them love. And so we don't want to be demanding. We want to fulfill the requirements of God's law. Look at this PowerPoint for life. Are you ready for this? All the men, raise your hand. Come on, guys. Come on, men. This is just for you. Here we go. Ready? Look at this PowerPoint for life. Men, you are never more attractive to your wife than when you are serving without being asked, going above and beyond. But you've got to have the right heart. I'm telling you from experience, when I just volunteer to do the dishes, daddy's going to get a few more kisses at night. Come on. Can I have an amen? Now, listen, I can't do it just for that reason. I can't do it just just, just to uh, manipulate her in a certain way, I have to have the right heart. If you serve with wrong motive, you forfeit your reward. Look at Philippians chapter 2. And then we will, uh, we'll wrap this up for, for today and we'll pick it up next week. Philippians chapter 2. This is a scripture we use and we want to do this in our marriage and we want to do this here at the church, here at Emmanuel. It says you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Look at verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to and hold on to. Uh, we could talk about the husbands and wives and, and your role and the way God has put you in the house. And you've, you, I love the way Joe said, you got to live your life serving someone else. The Bible says in verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human when he appeared in human form. Let's keep reading. He humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on the cross, and here's what I want you to see. Jesus didn't think that the, the things he had been given were, were worth hanging on to. He came to the earth to be a servant. He gave up his rights to serve you and I. And so my challenge to you, it's our third point here, very easily. Selflessly serve your mate. What can you do this week? What can you do this week for your spouse? What can you do to help them be a blessing to them? And ladies, listen, tell us, guys, what we can do to help you. Men, tell your wife what she can do to help you. Let's share. Let's be open about it. Can I, can I tell you, ladies, something? Just a little truth. Can I tell you something? This is revelation to all the ladies in the house. Are you ready? We don't know what you want. <laughs> we thank you, Johnson. You like that. I have no idea what you want. You have to tell me. How many of you have been driving to go to dinner? And honey, what do you want? Oh, I don't care. Nothing you pick. And then you pull in. I don't want that. You said you didn't care. You said you didn't want it. Apparently you did care. And so listen, ladies, we don't know what you're thinking. We can't read your mind. Tara has asked me. My wife has asked me. She's like, well, don't you just know that by now? And I said, no, <laughs> I don't. Tell me again. So listen, ladies, do us a favor. Don't assume that we know. Okay. Don't assume that we know. Go ahead and just tell us. It'll make everybody's life so much better. All right? And so help us out. Help us out. Amen. Did this bless anybody today? Man, it's going to be even better next week. Come on, let's give God thanks. Amen. Pastor Randy, if you'll come and help us. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for these great people that you've brought here to this church today. Thank you that you're going to help us love our spouse and serve them. 
And, and Lord, I want to be Jesus to my family. I want to serve my family like Christ loved and served the church. And I pray that you help me with that, Father. I, I fall short so many times in being the godly example. I am the Jesus that my family sees. And Lord, I know I don't portray you correctly all the time. But I want you to help me. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a man of character and I want to be a man of integrity before my family. I want to be someone my family can trust and look to. When they see me, I want them to see qualities of Jesus. I want to lead my children with love and compassion. I want to be there for my wife. I want to help her emotionally, spiritually, physically. Lord, I just pray you help me on this journey. I want to grow old with her. I want to grow old with my children, loving and respecting. I I want to have a great relationship with my family as we age. And that's not going to happen apart from you, Lord. And God, I know 10 years ago I did it. I dedicated my life and marriage to you. But Lord, again, I I just dedicate my family to you afresh again today. Lord, would you use us? Would you, would you just pour your love through us as a family? Let us be a blessing. Let us grow together. And Satan, I bind you up from this. What, what God has put together, no person, no man, no devil in hell can separate because God has joined us together. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. If your head is bowed and your eyes closed, I'd ask you to do that right now, just, just for a moment. The greatest love of all is Jesus, His love for you. I've been talking about being committed through tough times, and I'm telling you, Jesus is there for you in tough times. If you're in this house this morning and you've never given your heart to the Lord, you've never said yes to Jesus, if you're listening to this message on the Internet, you could be in a country far away. You could be in a state miles and miles away, and you could be listening to this CD or this message online i just want you to know that jesus loves you the bible says with an everlasting love friends in this house today if you want to surrender to that love you've never said yes to jesus it's an awesome privilege to become a son of god the bible says to who believes in jesus has been given the right to become a son or daughter of god with all the rights and all the privileges of all the sons and daughters of God. If you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, on the count of three, make a public confession by raising your hand. This is your first time doing this or you've been away from the Lord and you want to come back today. You want to rededicate and commit your life to Christ afresh, brand new today. Would you just let me pray with you and signify yes by raising your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Anybody in that house this morning fit any of those categories. Amen. Keep your head bowed if you can. How many of you say in this house, if you're married, you say, thank you for this encouragement. You've challenged me to grow in serving my spouse and and I make a new commitment today. I'm going to stick it out with my spouse. No matter what, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me. Yes. How many else say, I'll make that commitment today. I'm going to stick it out with my spouse. We're going to make it renew our love for one another. Amen. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your love that's in this place. We just thank you that you cause it to grow and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, would you stand and hug somebody and love on them and just tell them how much you love them, appreciate them, give them a high five. Come on, Wednesday night, we're going to be great. Get ready for our book of James Bible study.
It will be a blessing.